the party fairly easily takes care of the gelatinous cubes, badgers, and black pudding. But if that's all there is here, why were the Snifnurplen driven away? The party moves around to explore the abandoned section of Lindenstone. They try and enter the tunnels initially that the oozes seem to have moved through, only to find the way blocked by rubble. They search around and they find a set of doors that are marked with a lion's head motif. Two lions engaged in battle. John checks to make sure there are no traps and the party enters. And they find themselves in something of a religious room of sorts. Gus begins to take his clothes off, claiming that he's on fire. They explore further and find their way blocked by rubble. The naked Gus decides this is a good idea for him to blow a hole through the rubble with his dynamite. He is a miner, after all. And so, Gus lays the dynamite, and I think to everyone's relief, the entire city doesn't collapse on them. They move past the opening, and Gus and the rest of the party begin to see very different images. The party sees a tightly knit series of tunnels, whereas Gus sees a lot of piles of loose stone. It can be traveled with difficulty, but still traversed and seen over. John leads the group, makes his way, and ultimately gets trapped in a gelatinous cube. Azrak immediately pulls him out, and the cube flees after the party deals a pretty strong amount of damage in one round. Then they come to a large chamber, where the party sees the Pudding King. Now, to the party, the Pudding King appears to be an older Smith Neblin, uh, kind of crackly skin and dirty, face sallow. He says that he has two princes, a gray ooze and a black pudding on either side of him. And so the party begins, like they normally do, trying to negotiate. But of course, violence breaks out. Marcus attempts to strike the Pudding King, and as his magical rapier tries to strike, the Pudding King disappears, and the Black Pudding changes places with him, and Marcus's blade slices into the Pudding. Oddly, the Pudding does not split. Gus ends up retreating, saying that there are giants, and he's deeply afraid, muttering other incoherencies. But the party doesn't trust the naked Gus. He's been a little unreliable recently. Then the pudding slams into Marcus. He does quite a lot of damage for a little pudding. And the pudding king moves towards the group. And as soon as he gets close, he then trades places with his livid prince, the great ooze, who appears. Everyone near takes a slam attack as the convulsing ooze mashes into them. After they get hit, though, John Azarak and Alaran begin to notice the oozes are not really oozes. But they're really starspawn. The Pudding King is a starspawn seer. And the two oozes are hulks. So while the rest of the party see other oozes move their way in from the edges of their vision, a party who can see the true Blingdon stone see the Gru and find themselves fairly surrounded. As they battle, Gus decides it's time for him to become a silver dragon wormling and engage the Hulk, spraying his powerful breath weapon. The seer ends up blasting the hulks, who 
can reflect the psionic energy backwards, outwards to all enemies nearby. The star spawn work together with a Gru impose disadvantage on attacks against anyone who's not them. The party attempts to clear out the hulks and the seer, but Marcus and Draki still don't know the reality of what they're facing. Draki ends up at one point trying to use his mind knife, throwing it against the hulk, only to have it reflect its damage to Marcus. After another large attack from the hulk, Marcus retreats next to John, asking to be healed. The, he the seer sends another psionic energy out, blast out, knocking Eloran down. John, ignoring Marcus, takes his pistol out, aiming just past Marcus's head and fires seemingly into the wall, killing a Gru. Marcus is beginning to wonder why everyone is seemingly crazy, and John tells him that things aren't what they seem. Azrak ends up activating his blessing of tear and tries to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Hulk. Luckily, Azrak can reduce damage, and the Hulk ends up taking a huge blow to itself, and Azrak crushes its bones, bringing the beast down. Marcus and Draki now see the reality of the fight before them, but too late, as the Hulk knocks Marcus unconscious. John pivots around and tells Marcus to get up, using Loth's power to give him just a few more hit points and bring him back into the fight with his healing word. Azarak had moved forward, so the seer bends time and space, teleporting Azarak deep away from the battle and dealing tremendous damage. But Tyr's blessing imposes the same damage back on the seer. Marcus ends up moving forward for the second Hulk, cuts his leg tendons to bring it down, and decapitates it. John clears out several more Gru with his life-stealing dagger. The seer then moves directly towards Daki, Draki, who no longer is trapped in the false vision. Your mind is clean and dark. It can serve our master. Traki is frozen in a trance. Marcus ends up calling on the power of Osmodea, saying, I'm going to end this. He dices up a few more Gru and moves towards the seer. Gus attempts to kill the seer in his draconic form, only to have the seer lash back out with his staff, bringing back the naked Gus. Draki shakes his head a little bit and seems to be half back to his senses, but makes only a feeble attack, not able to muster the strength to hurt the seer. Azarak then approaches and swings his mighty maul, knocking the head clean off of the seer. Azarak then is quite angry and begins to kick and beat the headless body to vent his frustration. No, buddy, almost kills me, motherfucker! John ends up coming over to Eloran and taps him and says, stand up, bringing him back to consciousness. And the party takes a much needed short rest. The party then explores the rest of the abandoned city more. As they come around a the corner, they see a black ooze sitting in a large semi-sphere to walk up these 30-foot tall ramps to get into the semi-sphere. Gus decides to reach his hand into the ooze it lashes around his arm and begins to pull him in. Gus is able to hold himself firm. Azarak reaches, basically taking his job as the pull people out of oozes and muck, pulls Gus back. 
Jockey says that he can communicate with the ooze, since he was such an effective negotiator and diplomat with the previous oozes, the party decides it's okay and a good idea to have him talk. This ooze apparently knows about Mike Keel, but is says it's generally not involved in the battle between Mike Keel and the Outsiders. Then Gus, out of nowhere, yells that the artifact that they're searching for from Drow City is in Theogonia, the Wood Elf City. Draki ends up asking the Ooze, who can confirm that this is true. Since the Ooze doesn't seem to want to hurt the party, the party decide that they don't need to hurt it either, and move on. They clear out the remainder of the specters and oozes with other things. John's able to use his twin dagger to disperse the specter. Gus can Eldritch Blast one with the help of Jack, who is able to be brought back during the short rest. And Azrak bludgeons a pudding into nothingness. The party, satisfied that they've been able to clear out the old city, and decide that they should return to the Palisades. Talk to the Sif Neblin about the reward. In the course of clearing out the old city, they do find lots of fun things. They find several spider silk dresses, a flask that feels like it's got liquid in it, but they can't see anything. And they find a polished rock faceted like a gemstone. They're also able to recover two spell books that can't quite be deciphered. Well, yet. The party returns and explain what happens. When they do that, Nablin in Limerick tells them that it's they'll provide them with a reward, a gemstone of invisibility each, which functions similar to a spell scroll. They can use it once. If they happen to know more deep gnomes, they may be able to recharge the stones. And they do find one gem of Earth Elemental. The party asks if they can buy things, now that they have a handful of cash on hand, and people who are acquainted with magic. And the deep gnomes are happy to oblige, totally willing to have a deal. And so they buy a ring of haste with five charges and some bracers of defense for Azrak. Now the brute will be able to move with haste and attack multiple times. They find plus two studded leather armor and a plus two shield for John, who is now able to sport a very high armor class. Marcus also asks for a plus two shield, a plus one studded, studded leather armor for Gus, and plus one plate armor for Eloran. The party decides that they're going to take a long rest before they take the gnomes back to the pool where they found the sentient ooze. Now it's time for some DM's thoughts. So, I mean, first, we got to talk about kind of the kind of insane plan I had, but turned out to work really well, mostly well. So I knew that I wanted to have the player characters not see reality. Um, you know, I, in the last session, the players went to Blingdenstone, and I had the Out of the Abyss book, and they fought some you know, jellies, and I knew the Pudding King was here. I remembered that from when I ran out of the abyss. So I was like, okay, well, the Pudding King, I don't just want to have this crazy uh, Svefneblin to be there 
I, I want something a little, a little more kind of in line with the story. And that was when I had the crazy idea, hey, what if the Smurf Neblin is a star spawn, an outsider? And uh, then I thought, oh, okay, well, I can then have it tied to the seal. The dark eye sees the inky void. But in order for that to work, I really wanted to have this glamour effect happen where the reality that you see is not the reality that exists. So I built a, in a same map in Roll20, and I end up splitting the party between the two maps. And I'm moving the tokens of all the players across the two maps when they tell me that they do things. And um, it was a lot to manage and not let it get too slowed down. And it really got too slow. Um, so, you know, I think the first round took us 20 minutes to get through the first round of combat and another 20 minutes just to get through that second round of combat. Um, so maybe the juice wasn't fully worth the squeeze. I don't, I got positive reactions from the players. Cause when they end up, when each of them switches maps, it was, I guess, very fulfilling as a dungeon master. And they were like, oh, and you could almost feel how they were like, oh, wait. And which is exactly what I wanted. I want the players to have the same reaction that the player characters would have had. And there's no way that you could have done that in a live session. Um, it only works because of the kind of distance that uh, playing on the internet provides. So I, uh, I thought that was fun. It was cool. Uh, it was certainly a lot of work um, in-game. It wasn't a terrible amount of work prior. It was just a matter of uploading the same images, making sure I, I fully thought out everything I had. I did a better job prior to that battle of putting all of the abilities and hit points and everything on one spot so that... I didn't have to manage any of that. I didn't have to look anything up. I didn't have to cascade between um, tabs on my computer. I just had the two maps up, and I could focus on just those two maps, uh, which was a little hard because my monitor wasn't quite big enough. Um, so I had just a sliver of map when I had to also look at the chat to see what people rolled, and I just asked them, tell me tell me what you rolled. Tell me what, what is happening, and I, I can manage on the other end. So... Um, uh, but I think it all paid off. I think overall it was probably much cooler than it was a pain. And I think once we got everyone on the same map, the battle went fairly fast. It was pretty actionable. The only half regret I have is that one of my players went down pretty early. And where he was positioned relative to the healer, there was not um, a good chance for him. So he he spent the battle listening and watching um, and trying to make death saves. Uh, I think he's mostly okay with kind of watching sometimes. Um, but I would have rather that, you know, Alaran's player was more involved. Um, but I think it'll be overall okay. Um, second DM thought. I haven't let them actually shop in a magical market yet. It just hasn't come up in the game. Here they are, level 5. Uh, are level eight and rounding towards nine soon. And they wish that they had more money. 
Uh, magical items are obviously much more expensive. They had low tens of thousands of gold. And so they spent almost all of it trying to buy the things that they had. Um, you know, but, um, you know, it, it probably would have been uh, better if I had had them shop previously because they kind of went on a feeding frenzy, um, which was good. And and I checked back in with uh, Draki's player to make sure he didn't feel kind of left out. Uh, his player, it's hard to buy stuff for um, just because he's a psionic. Uh, there's not a lot of psionics in the world. He's also a rogue. Um, so you would normally want him to have a cool weapon, but he's got his psionic blades. So um, in any event... Um, it, it worked out. I think it was fine. I think everyone was mostly okay. Um, but it was just kind of interesting to see the almost, uh, almost feeding friends, especially because they had, you know, they had, you know, like 70,000 gold previously almost, um, from the, um, Yuan Ti temple. So they, were thinking that they could just buy and get anything they want, but they didn't have as much cash on hand. Um, so we'll see. I think they're still sitting really well. I mean, the, the encounter they fought was really hard, um, and now they've got a bunch of stuff going on. Um, I think it'll overall be okay. Um, I think it's probably okay to hint at this, um, several of the playing characters have had to deal with the fact, like, I think overall the group thinks I haven't given them cursed weapons and cursed items yet, but I have. Um, it's just that the players who are playing those characters have kept it quiet or it's been subtle. Um, so we'll see how they feel about all of the goodies that they've gotten. Uh, so another thing I did is when they bought the Ring of Haste, I said, okay, we'll roll a D8 and we'll um, we'll see what happens there. Um, and uh, Azrax player rolled a one, and that was going to be the number of charges. I didn't want them to buy a, a, a total lemon ring uh, with only one charge per day. It probably would have been better if it was closer to two or three, but uh, five is fine. Uh, we'll find we'll find ways of making that more complicated, I think, um, without unbalancing the game. Um, but I mean, they have they all have a gemstone of invisibility, um, so we'll see what happens there um, as they move into some of their future battles. Uh, so the other thing, right? Um, not related directly to the session. But something that I've been thinking about is now that they've kind of broken the fourth seal, um, I wanted to check in to see how everyone was feeling about the seal. So I shot a text on the group chat and they need a lore session. I'm reluctant to just do a lore dump to explain what's going on with the seals and explain what their real mission is. Because what they thought their mission was is not really their mission. And I think they kind of sense that that's true. Because when I asked them, do you all know what the seals mean? 
they basically were like, all it seems like is that we're just breaking these things and we're not really helping the situation. Um, which is true. It's really what's happening. They have broken four of the seals. There is a fifth seal left for them to break. Um, so I'm trying to sort out exactly how I want that to be done. I don't want to do a dump. You know, there, there's like a handful of ways to do that. I could have uh, like them be visited by my kill who's like, yo, here's the story. Um, that's doable. Uh, I think that's not as fun. Um, you know, and, and these super powerful extra planar beings aren't always going to check in and be like, hey, this is what I want you to do. Um, I could have another NPC come in and do that too. Um, like, oh, don't you know this is the way you're supposed to be doing that? This is what's really going on. Um, but I, I want to try and find a better way of working it in. So if you're listening to this, maybe by next session, you'll he'll either agree or disagree with the way that I've implemented it and whether or not I've been able to get a different way of porting that um, lore over to them. I mean, I think the most probable thing is I won't be super creative and I'll break the sections of lore up to a series of NPC encounters that they have. So the NPCs will have information and I'll just make sure that there's overlapping information between the NPCs and they'll talk a little bit about it. They'll get a little bit in the social interaction. Uh, I think my party prefers to smash um, at least as much as they prefer to uh, talk. And so... Um, we'll let them do that. Uh, so really the only thing that's left is trying to find out where they're headed so I can try and figure out how to put the lore in their way. Uh, but overall, I was, I felt bad because I was super engaged for the first two hours, but I recognized that after battle started, which was maybe half an hour into the session, it was super slow, I think, for the players. Uh, especially if they weren't as into what was going on. Um, and I think not until several of the other players moved over to the other map and like ultimately had to be like, hey, there's another map, then I think they all kind of like it clicked for them because they were like, oh, gosh. And then when other people were like, oh, this seems, oh, this is different. Oh, wow. Um, it kind of drew everyone back in, but it took a little bit to get there. Uh, and I think I, I think that a lot of the players lost some time being like, oh, this is really boring and slow. Why is it so slow? Um, so we'll see. I'll just have to have a really quick, uh, quick battles in the next session. We'll see. Uh, but I imagine that they'll probably end up going to Theogonia. We'll see. But yeah, that was session 14. Appreciate you listening. Stay safe.